Hey guys, do you love candles as much as I love candles? If you do, you got to check out Circle E Candles. I'm telling you, their candles are absolutely my favorites. I have been buying candles from Circle E Candles for over 10 years, and my house always smells amazing. They're triple scented. They're also always running specials, so there's always a good discount on something, or if you buy a certain amount, you can get free shipping. I'm going to add their link in my show notes so you can go check them out yourself. And guys, seriously, this place is legit. They ship all over the United States. So check them out. They're fantastic. And I wouldn't steer you wrong. You know that. So, hey, if I love them, I know you're going to love them. Circle E Candles. You really have to get yourself some. And also, let them know you heard about them from me. Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Adam Ballinger, and he is with Graveyard Tales Podcast. He's actually a friend of mine, and he is an expert on Bigfoot. Yes, we got him back. Yes, it's going to be fun. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you. Um, expert may be being a little bit kind. I would say I'm a knowledgeable idiot on Bigfoot. (laughs) I beg to differ with you. I have heard your podcast on Bigfoot. Y'all have covered cryptids and other things too. And your knowledge is just impressive. And well, a lot of it's because you really are interested in this. So let's get into this. Tell me what you think Bigfoot is, and then we'll kind of keep going from there. Okay. There... There's been a lot of theories put forward about what Bigfoot is, what he could be. Does he even exist, or is it mass hallucinations? I'll hit on that one first. The mass hallucination thing, I hate, and Matt and I have talked about this on the show several times. The term mass hallucinations in and of itself is a contradiction, because to hallucinate, it's in your head, right? Well, how can you get the same hallucination from people, either a large group of people seeing something at the exact same time, or from multiple people that are not connected to one another. It would not happen that way if the hallucination is in their head. Our brains are wired differently to see things differently. Even when it's a real flesh and blood thing in front of us, people are going to see things differently. Oh, I agree. So mass hallucination is not a valid argument to me. It doesn't work. It seems like low-hanging fruit, and people are just grasping at straws to throw the argument out the window. So I feel like there is something still there, or if you want to get a little broader, there was something recently there. However, we're still having Bigfoot encounters and sightings here, you know, in the past probably couple years. We've had a few. If you go on to the BFRO website that documents all the sightings, you can find some within the past couple of years. So if it died out, it would have to have recently died out, whatever right. it was. Yeah. But one of the theories that we put forth on the show was that possibly it could be an interdimensional being. And we just had a lot of people roll their eyes when they heard me say that. Um, I guarantee you there's people out there going, oh, my God, he's doing this. But we've got to look at it. You know, it's something that we have to look at if we're going to give it any legitimate time in the research. And we have discussed multiple dimensions being that 
there is a theory put forth that our dimension is, to put it simply, it's one pancake in a stack of pancakes. Right. So we are, you know, somewhere in that stack. A lot of people theorize more toward the bottom, but I, I won't get into that as to why. But we're a stack, and then we've got a dimension close to us, above us, and close to us, below us. And if you stick a toothpick or a skewer down through that stack, you're going to push some of one pancake into the one below it, right? That's true. Yeah, absolutely. So that could be a wormhole, whether natural or somehow exploited by anything in another dimension. Mm -hmm. So one of the theories is that Bigfoot exploits certain wormholes from his dimension where he's either an apex predator or just somewhere along the the food chain there, whether he be the smartest in that dimension or not. But he exploits that wormhole, and they come over here to, you know, hunt and gather. And this is part of his hunting range. And the reason we don't have any evidence, quote-unquote, left behind by dead Bigfoot or whatever is they don't die here because they don't live here. They just hunt here, and we know by animals that we are well aware of, like big cats, their hunting range is huge. Right. Same with wolves. So if Bigfoot exists in another dimension, why wouldn't he have a large you know, hunting range and our dimension be part of it if he knew how to get here? Right. And, you know, it's funny because I did interview a near-death experiencer, uh, Mary Helen Hensley, who actually thinks that Bigfoot is more interdimensional. But I also think you have another theory. I do. Um, the one that hits a little closer to home for me is that Bigfoot is part of a relic hominid population. So basically, uh, relic hominid would be, at one point in our history, Homo sapien, which we are, lived alongside of Homo neanderthalus and Australopithecus, and several different bipedal hominids, you know, humanoid creatures that live around the same time. So we think that all humanoid species except Homo sapien have died out because we see the fossil records and we stop seeing their fossil record at a certain point. So we think, okay, that's where they died out. That's the last known living species. Well, they just found Australopithecus skulls several years ago that show that they lived longer than what scientists thought. So that kind of threw off their calculations and, oh, well, they lived, you know, a couple thousand years past what we thought they lived. Right. Yeah. And they're finding things in the ocean they didn't even know even existed and or thought were extinct too. So why wouldn't this be kind of the same thing, right? Exactly. And to have fossils, We've talked about this before on the show, too. To have fossils, you have to have a specific set of conditions in order for it to form a fossil. So just because something died a long time ago and laid there doesn't mean that they're going to fossilize. Right. You know, you have to have a certain set of conditions that allows minerals to get in the bone and turn them into stone. And usually that has to have a water source around nearby so that liquid can flow in and out. But if you have too much liquid, then they just disintegrate. Not enough liquid, and they desiccate and turn into powder and go away. So because we don't have a fossil record of it doesn't mean, A, that it didn't exist, or B, that's when it died out and we just don't know about it. Maybe the conditions changed. Maybe they moved. But the reason I think that Bigfoot could be 
a relic hominid. Like, I'll say Neanderthal just for the sake of okay. um, sure. keeping it easy here. Neanderthal, we have come to realize, was smarter than we originally gave them credit for when we first discovered Neanderthal bones. We thought, oh, these are just dumb, you know, grunting, no language, don't know how to make tools, all that. Well, we found out through research throughout the years, they had a language, they made stone tools, they knew about fire, right? which means they're intelligent. Well, we're saying Bigfoot has to be intelligent to be able to avoid detection by humans. So if it's Neanderthal, then they would be intelligent enough to know that they need to stay away from humans because they've watched us destroy other hominid species. Right. And they would be smart enough to bury their dead so that we don't just see Bigfoot skeletons laying out in the woods like we would a deer. They know how to avoid us by living in caves or something and not leaving tracks around. There have been stories that Bigfoot families communicate through some primitive language. So that could be a Neanderthal species. It just makes sense to me that there is a relic hominid population still alive and we just haven't found out because they're smart enough to avoid us and they're smart enough to not leave traces around where we can find them. And I don't think, again, that it's a hallucination because if you look at, there's so many different cultures throughout the world that have similar creatures to Bigfoot. Right, yeah. You know, in Asia, they have the Yeti. In Russia, they have the Yeti or something along those lines. We have Sasquatch here. It would be really interesting to find out that all of these societies just came up with the same legend and described the creature the same way if there wasn't something that they were basing this tale on, if yeah. it was just yeah. pulled out of there. Yeah, and it seems like, yeah, with so many different cultures, so many different countries claiming to see these kinds of creatures, there's got to be some truth to it where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing. But what I don't understand is why we haven't been able to catch them. And I think you and I talk full disclosure, this is the second time we're taping this. <laughs> Uh, I kind of messed my side up. But anyway, we were talking about the possibility of maybe some of them dying out to where there's just fewer and fewer since the Patterson-Gimlin tape. Why don't we talk about that first, the Patterson-Gimlin tape, what you feel about it. I know some people discredit it. I don't think it totally has been. What are your thoughts on that? And then we can talk about where we think they are, if they're dying out at all. Okay. Well, the Patterson-Gimlin film was shot in 1967 in Bluff Creek, California. And a lot of people say that, oh, it's been discredited because a company came forward and said, we made that suit for Patterson when he was about to go out on this expedition to find Bigfoot. And they say, well, that's another reason to discredit it. He was intentionally going out to try to find Bigfoot. Right. And the Patterson-Gimlin tape is the one from, like you said, 1967, where you see an actual ape-like creature walking, and it does have the bigger chest to indicate maybe a female, but it really truly looks like an ape, you know, like a big gorilla ape kind of thing to me. And I'm just letting my audience know that. Yeah. Uh, if you see a depiction of a Bigfoot walking, the one where it, you know, one hand is out forward, one's back, one leg out forward, one back, right. that's from one of the stills of the Patterson-Gimlin film. And it's kind of gone everywhere now since then, that depiction, whether it's the actual still from that video or an artist depiction of that pose. Right. 
but they came forward and said they made the suit. Okay, look at the movie Planet of the Apes that was released around that time, and that will tell you where our technology was on ape suits. Right. You can see the suit hanging off of the actor. It's baggy. The head is not the right size. When they walk, you can see the material kind of flop a little bit, so right. you know it's not form-fitting well. But if you watch the Patterson-Gimlin film, it looks like there is a musculature underneath the fur that you can see moving and contracting. Yeah, You can see the glute muscles contract as they move their leg. And like you said, in the front of the creature, the chest is enlarged like a female's would be, and you can see those swaying as they walk. Right. So would you think back in you know, the 60s, early 70s, that anybody would have made a suit that could be that form-fitting and fit over somebody that tightly so that they could see the musculature. And, like, we don't have eight-foot-tall people on a regular basis. There's a few of them, but we don't have them just everywhere in the world. Yeah, kind of like, what are the odds, right? (laughs) So how would they find an actor big enough to fill out a suit that well that you could see his or her muscles underneath the suit. So they haven't fully disproven it. They haven't fully proven it. But I lean more toward that that is a legitimate sighting of a Bigfoot and the best evidence we have yet. But that's also the reason people say what can't be real is because it's not blurry. It's not shot from 500 yards away with a zoom. You know, you can actually see it. So they said, well, it's too clear. Yeah. But you get that argument, well, this picture's too clear to be real. This picture's too grainy to be real. So where do you want it? Well, you know? it's also, you know, hey, he had a film crew out there. They probably staged the whole thing. I mean, who carries, in 1967, who has that kind of equipment, and all of a sudden you see a Bigfoot? You know, there's all kinds of speculations out there, you know? Right. And Patterson and Gimlin, they've said the whole time, yes, we were going to look for Bigfoot. That's what Patterson wanted to do. Right. And he hired Bob Gimlin to go along with him. And some people have said, well, Patterson staged it to fool Bob Gimlin as well. But they said from the beginning, look, Patterson wanted to go find a Bigfoot. That's the reason we were carrying the camera. We wouldn't just be carrying this camera, riding our horses out in Bluff Creek if we weren't actually looking for something. He just happened to be right place, right time, because he had seen footprints there before. And they found the footprints after the Bigfoot creature left. He was able to follow the footprints for a ways until it hit a river, and then he lost it. Mm. So I don't believe that just because they said, yes, we're going out to find a Bigfoot, that it was a hoax. That would be like saying, hey, I'm going out to film a woodpecker today in the woods. And then you actually catch a woodpecker on your camera come back and people say, oh, you staged that. That's not a real woodpecker right. because you said beforehand <laughs> that's what you were going to do. Like, right. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a plan and I just got lucky and the plan worked out. Right. Why is that that I staged something? You yeah. Know? I mean, just to have a camera on you, you know, they probably had full well knowledge. They probably weren't going to find anything. And lo and behold, they got lucky. And and it's a big coincidence and I get it, but not really because they've been doing it from what you said a while But let me ask you this, though, Adam, there are fewer and fewer sightings. And you and I were talking on the other recording that I lost. 
speculating that, you know, it could be a climate change thing where maybe that's affecting them. Maybe they're going underground more. Maybe they are dying out. What do you think about those things? Yeah, I mean, we are getting fewer and fewer sightings, and they seem to be not as widespread as they were, because if you look back 1800s or so in the newspapers then, there were a of wild men all the time that would come steal kids from the encampments and whatever. And then you also had, before that, you had Native Americans that were telling stories of spirits of the woods, big hairy men, or a tribe of our hairy brothers for centuries before, you know, modern reportings of Bigfoot came around. So there were Native American reports of tribes of these things. So I think if they're not completely died out, they have probably lessened their numbers and spread out because, Mm -hmm. you know, us modern humans are taking over everything and we're, we're getting into all the little nooks and crannies of the wilderness. So there's less and less places that a large tribe of Sasquatch could be and right. could stay undetected. So they may have split up, their tribe split up into small family groups, and that's all that they have. Or they are unfortunately going extinct, finally. Right. Like a lot of creatures have, we've pushed them to the brink of extinction. We did the an episode recently on the thylacine in Tasmania and Australia, and modern humans are the reason that they are extinct or possibly extinct. You know, the thylacine is another cryptozoological thing because we know they exist. We don't think they do anymore, but so many people have had sightings of them. Mm, So a lot of people put those in the same category as Bigfoot, even though we don't know for sure that Bigfoot existed. We have sightings of them, but we can't prove that they're there. So I think they could be going the way of the thylacine to where they used to be more prevalent than they were. And now either due to us or the environment changing or something, their numbers are a lot fewer. And that's why we don't have as many sightings and we don't look out our window and see Bigfoot walking down the street. (laughs) Well, that's good. I don't really know if I want that. But we'll also... I'm not sure exactly where they would be more prevalent if, and I kind of think they are still around if, if I want to believe in all this, and I kind of do. You know, if they live in caves, it would have to be a, more of a mountainous kind of area, like, you know, the edges of California toward the uh, inland, toward Utah and those areas and Nevada. But then again, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know more about where he would be. Like, if I were a Bigfoot hunter, where would the best place to be? Where are all the sightings? Well, the Pacific Northwest for sure has a lot of Bigfoot sightings just due to the environment there. There's a lot of deciduous forest there, so they could hide in the trees. And Bigfoot are said to be forest dwellers and on mountains, like you said. So the Pacific Northwest has high sightings of them, but East Texas has a lot of sightings of Bigfoot. And if you go up north from there into the Appalachians, the Appalachians have a lot of sightings too. And, you know, into Kentucky and Knoxville, Tennessee and all that, there are a lot of caves. Mm. Bigfoot hide out in the caves. You just have to go to places that have areas where there's not a lot of people. Now, be careful doing that because you could end up in West Virginia and Kentucky in a holler and get yourself shot because you're not... (laughs) You know, do a little research beforehand on am I going to run into gun-toting hillbillies before you do that. Yeah. You know, but I I think that's any place that has 
a lot of trees or mountains is a good place to look for something. Right. You know, like I said, there's a lot of sightings in East Texas, believe it or not. Yeah. You're calling them Neanderthal. So did they just not evolve like you and I did uh, from those people? Tell me what you think about that. Well, we don't know exactly what Neanderthal looked like. We assume by their skeletal system that we know how big they were and the shape of their face and all that, but we don't know if they were fully covered in hair. But we do know older, or we assume that older branches of the human tree had bipedal creatures that were fully covered in hair Mm -hmm. because they were just starting to evolve from ape. Um, And this could throw a wrench into people's thinking, too, on it, because, you know, I'm not wanting to get into the evolution debate at all. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Just what science says, there were ancestral humanoids that were fully covered in hair. Neanderthal very well could have been fully covered in hair. But it could be a different branch and not just Neanderthal. You know, it could be Australopithecus. It could be um, Homo floresiensis was a hobbit-type creature. So if we take the Orang Pendek from Asia, which is supposed to be a three- to four-foot Sasquatch-type creature, could that be Homo floresiensis still living? And they're fully haired, wild, feral, ape-like human. And that's Homo floresiensis. And then on our continent, we have another relic hominid that was fully covered in hair and ranging from six to eight foot tall. And they evolved to the point where they said, okay, because evolution just does it to make you the best for the environment that you're living in, right? Right. So they evolved to the point that they needed to, to be the most adapted for where they live and then evolution kind of stopped or slowed down there like the yeti is supposedly fully white-haired but to blend in with the snow in the area that it lives and sasquatch in the north americas are brown because it has to blend in with tree trunks and stuff like that so right i don't know I, i think you know for the way that they lived that's where evolution stopped them and we as homo sapien kept going and here we are in the technology age, and we can't find something like Bigfoot if it's out there, even though they're, you know, supposedly not as smart as we are, which that makes me think they're a lot smarter than we give them credit. Right. For. And, you know, it's it's the majority of mainstream scientists, you know, they've historically discounted even the existence of Bigfoot, and um, they, they consider it more folklore. And I, and I know that. But like you said, there are too many people that have talked about or have identified this kind of ape creature in different countries. So something must be going on. Okay, we don't see as many. The sightings aren't as prevalent, whatever. But I do believe there's got to be, where there's smoke, there's fire. I just feel like something, I'd like to think that they exist. Um, and they certainly, I don't know if they've ever, if there's any instance where they've ever killed a human. I don't know if there's ever been any kind of documentation on that. No, there's theories from other countries that, a Sasquatch-type creature has killed hikers or something like that. And there's theories here, too, that some of the missing cases in national parks where we haven't found bodies could be Bigfoot-related cases. Um, When we were doing our Missing 411 episode, there was a witness that saw someone that looked like the missing person flung over the shoulder of a giant 
bipedal something oh, walking wow. off in the woods. What? Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's stories out there that may or may not be true, but as far as we know, there's not, like, they're not hunting down humans as their only source of food. You know, we just released an episode that is talking about the case of Albert Ostman, and he said in 1924, um, you can go back and listen to the the episode for all of the details on it, but in 1924 in British Columbia, Canada, he was kidnapped by a family of Bigfoot, a family of four, oh, wow. and held hostage for five days, and they allowed him to live with them. They wouldn't let him leave on his own accord, but they didn't try to eat him. They brought him sweet grasses to eat and stuff like that, and he only escaped because he tricked the dad squatch into eating Albert's entire can of snuff. And so he, you know, of course, was in pain and ran off to go try to find water. And that's when Albert escaped. Mm. But, you know, so there there's stories like that that exist. But, you know, they're not prevalent. It's not like we've got to worry about Sasquatch coming and yeah. <laughs> hunting us down when we're camping. Well, it's funny. Um, you and I both live in Texas. And I, I guess now that I think about it, I have heard stories of people talking about them being in East Texas. It's just, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. And now I'm thinking, wow, they could be as close to us because you live in Fort Worth. I live in uh, North Fort Worth area. And it's just so funny to think that they could be just over by Tyler or by Cattle Lake. You know, it's just so crazy to me. Yep. Um, out there near Gun Barrel, Texas, you Gun know. Barrel I mean, Gun Barrel it, City, it, yeah. Yeah. It's possible, but you mentioned kind of a taboo in science, and that's a sore subject for me because I I feel like the reason we don't have any evidence going in the positive of there is Bigfoot or in the negative of there is Bigfoot, we don't have any actual documented scientific evidence besides the footprints because mainstream science won't take it seriously. So you're left to independent researchers, right. and independent researchers can do a lot. I mean, I'm not saying they can't, but to get it acknowledged by most of the world, then mainstream academia needs to take it somewhat seriously and say, look, we're going to go look for it, whether we find it or not. And usually, if you say, hey, you know, I'm a prominent scientist here, prominent biologist, I believe that there's a Sasquatch, and I'm going to go look for it. You get ostracized by the scientific community, yeah, um, which keeps people from speaking out about that. And it's the same way on UFOs, that if you in the history have said, I believe in UFOs as a scientist, they'd call you a quack and kick you out. Um, there is a guy named Jeffrey Meldrum, who's a scientist and a researcher, and he's a primatologist. And so he gets sent casts of Bigfoot footprints. And he looks at them to determine, yes, this is a legit footprint. I can see the ridges in the bottom of the foot and the arch and the way the toes are and all that. And yes, it's real. It's not another animal whose print has washed out and elongated or it's a cast that someone has made of a fake print or something. And he actually hasn't been completely ostracized, which I think is great. Because he's bringing some scientific study to those footprints right. at the very least. No, it's true. And it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you noticed or if you saw the documentary. I saw some kind of documentary on them looking for Loch Ness Monster. And they were going in with the depth finders on the boats and they couldn't find anything. But it was that same, it's interdimensional. It can come between both worlds. And maybe it can. I don't know. 
But I think it was somebody that it was either a scientist or but they I don't know if they were taking it seriously. It seems to me I thought I think I saw it like on Amazon or something, uh, Amazon Prime. And maybe it was just a documentary or a smaller film that was produced. But, you know, hey, they tried and they didn't see anything. But then again, it just kind of comes and goes and not everybody sees it. And some people swear by it. It's the same thing with Bigfoot, really. Yep. Exactly. My biggest thing is I think we need to put more scientific research into it and more effort into proving or disproving it. But it kind of seems like it's going to be one of those things that is always just on the fringes of what we're willing to accept. And a lot of people are going to say, no, that you're crazy for thinking that there's a possibility. Or you're going to have people saying, I know for a fact that there is a Bigfoot. I've seen him. And that's all we're going to have. We're not going to have a group of, you know, quote unquote, respected scientists go out and do the research and put in the time and effort to search everything. Because right. it, it's not going to be a, hey, I'm going to go out to the Pacific Northwest and walk three miles around the woods and then come back and say, I didn't find anything. He can't exist. Right. That's not research. You wouldn't do that for other animals. You would spend a lot of time looking for you know, a frog that you believe to be out in the rainforest. Well, we need to do the same thing for Bigfoot. Right. Well, you know, and now the government is uh, disclosing that we do have, or UFOs are real. Maybe they'll start thinking this way for Bigfoot, or at least dis- discount it or prove it, wh- whichever way, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they said that Bigfoot doesn't exist after this big, you know, extensive search into it, whatever. And then I'm going to say, well, they're just hiding it from us. Right. You know, if you can put forward proof that he doesn't exist, then I'll believe you. But yeah. until you do that, I'm going to be of the belief that there is something out there. I could be far off base of what it is. You know, my my theory of a relic humanoid species could be far off from what it is. Right. But we don't know, so that's my best guess. And other people have, you know what they think are their best guess. And I would be willing to change my opinion if it comes around, but we need more people on the opposite side, the skeptic side, to be able to change their opinion too if evidence is brought forward. But we have one of my pet peeves is people that say they're a skeptic, but they're a cynic. There's a big difference between skepticism and cynicism. Mm. And skepticism I believe myself to be a an open-minded skeptic. I'm not going to initially believe everything that I'm told or that I see, but if it's proven that, yeah, this video is legit or this picture is legit, then I'm willing to believe it. But right. cynics will be, here's evidence. You know, I have a footprint and then I have this thing of fur and they DNA tested the fur and they can't match it to any species that we know that exists today. And the cynic would say, eh, they just got it wrong. You know, that it's a, it's sloth hair. It's whatever. Cynic is unwilling to believe no matter what evidence you put in their face, they're stuck, you know, facts and logic that you're telling me about this don't matter because I'm setting my ways. Right. No, I totally agree. Yeah. I think cynics will hide under the guise of cynicism and people will believe them. And that bothers me because Mm. if you're a cynic, admit to being cynical about whatever topic. Don't say I'm a skeptic because if you're a skeptic, your mind can be changed if the right evidence is put forward. But there's people out there 
with big-time podcasts that call themselves skeptics that will hit at low-hanging fruit, even if that low-hanging fruit to disprove whatever the case is makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, right. And speaking of podcasts... Guys, you got to listen. If you like this kind of conversation with the Adam that I'm talking to right now, they talk about all kinds of just amazing stories um, about cryptids, about conspiracy theories, just anything like that. In fact, Adam, tell my listeners what they can expect if they turn on your podcast. All right. So we, like Leslie said, we cover Bigfoot encounters. I'm a big fan of cryptozoology, so I will throw a cryptozoological topic out there as often as I can. Um, We look at the history behind haunted places and ghost encounters, and we give you the history of the place, and we give you the history of the encounters and tell you the stories of who had what experience where. Um, And we look at phenomena, too, like out-of-body experiences and reincarnation if it's a fortian topic or if it's weird we're going to talk about it at some point um and our listeners will say hey will you do an episode on this and i'll put it on our topic list and not saying we'll get to it the next week but it is there and we may get to it at some point and we've done shows that listeners have suggested so if you've got a topic you want to hear our dumb butts talk about just throw it out there and we'll you know put on our list to get to But we enjoy this kind of stuff, so we're going to look into as much of it as we possibly can. No, and that's true. And you guys, pretty much being as knowledgeable as you can, because you do your research, you're just so much fun to listen to. And you crack each other up. You talk about dad jokes. and But anyway, you've got a really good website. I looked at it again today. And, you know, it's got your merchandise, your Q&As. It talks about all the live events you're going to be doing. Um, it talks about your Patreon page. It's got everything. And I'm sure you probably listen to the podcast um, via the website. So, you guys, if you're interested in, in listening to Graveyard Tales, or if you'd like to even suggest a topic, they're open to probably almost anything that they're interested in, I would think. But Adam, you have been so wonderful to do this with me again. And give me your time. It's just always a pleasure to have you on my show. You're a friend of mine, and I appreciate everything you do for my podcast as well. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I enjoy it. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Uh, but And like Leslie said, you can find everything you need to from our website. My lovely wife, Ashley, actually runs our website for us. She did Um, an amazing job. She did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. Y'all can all email the show and thank Ashley for that website because I would not be able to figure that out. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah, just go to graveyardpodcast.com and you can find all of that stuff. Yeah. Guys, they're on Instagram. Do you guys have Twitter? Yeah, we have a okay. Twitter. Um, not as active on Twitter as we are on Instagram or Facebook. Though. Okay, okay, but you got all, and they've got a fantastic group. I need to talk about your group real quick. They've got one of the best podcast groups I've ever seen and been in. Um, you can talk about pretty much anything, and nobody makes fun of you. It's awesome. Tell everyone more about your group. Yeah, uh, five thousand plus members growing every day, but it really is, in my opinion, and I'm not just saying this because we started the group, but it is one of the best groups on Facebook or on the internet, in my opinion. And it's not all due to Matt and I. It's the listeners who are more active in the group than Matt and I are. We're in there, but the group, like you said, kind of self-polices itself. It does. In the sense that mm-hmm. it, they're not going to, our listeners are not going to put up with somebody coming in 
and talking trash about somebody for asking a question or for giving their experience. Right. And if you see that, we'll remove it. Um, it. It won't be allowed in the group. We don't allow any bashing of anybody or making fun of anybody, and we don't allow politics to invade the group. So you can use that as an escape from everyday life and come in there and people always posting about experiences they've had or they've gone to a place we've talked about and they're posting pictures and what happened to them there or they're just cutting up and posting dad jokes because we (laughs) you know we're we're huge fans of the corny ass jokes and we'll uh we'll have listeners put them in there all the time and i love it yeah, you know, it's so much fun, guys. And um, like I said, and you'll know what's coming up in some episodes and you'll be a little more privy to some other information, you know, about the podcast or any of the live events they're going to have. Hopefully we'll get to those soon enough. But no, again, Adam, you have been a delight and I appreciate you so much. And uh, thank you again. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It was fun. If you like what you heard, please leave me a five star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.